Cancer Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Karen Kant, author of the number one best-selling award-winning book, Sensitivity is Your Superpower, How to Harness Your Gifts, Fulfill Your Purpose, and Create a Life of Joy. And, uh, you know, if you are a highly sensitive person, who I call a sensitive soul, this is perfect for you <laughs> because um, – in our show, the Light Warrior Radio Show, it's really about supporting you um, so you can manifest the life of your dreams, whether that's radiant health, uh, prosperity, feeling closer to God, better relationships. And so what I love to do is bring you guests on the show that you can resonate with from different walks of life, different experiences, so you can feel more comforted, so you can feel more calm, centered, confident about your path and where you want to go. And if you're brand new to the show, I would love to have um, you go to sensitivesoulguide.com for my freebie. It's uh, the Sensitive Soul Empowerment Guide, the three ways of um, increasing your positivity, um, peace, and personal power so you can manifest the life of your dreams. And today I have a very special guest. In fact, um, my guest today, I met him through the International Academy of Universal Self-Mastery. His name is Dylan Hunter Olson, and he's a young person. And the moment I you know, heard him, set eyes on him, I thought, oh my gosh, he's one of us, <laughs> but, you know, like in my mind, like he's one of us, meaning that he's one of the, the pe- people that are radiating that light and love to help um, revolutionize or evolve the human species in their own unique way. And I'm like, you know what, there's so many uh, young men, especially uh, out there who are in this space of knowing that the old, if you will, um, ways of masculinity aren't working anymore. I'm not even sure they did work, but you know that, that today's day and age, like people are expecting so much more of our men, yet there's not a lot of support out there. Unlike for women, we have so many women's groups, so many different programs for women, you know, support groups, communities, and blah, 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 so many things. But when I look at the, you know, the, the men, it, it's really difficult um, because they're still, even to this day, I mean, not that long ago I I talked to um, you know a a friend who has children and I said something about you know uh, hockey skating we're talking about skating and I'm a figure skater I said well why don't you uh, put your son in figure skating we definitely need more guys you know we have so many women that don't have partners and you know the trend looked at me like I had two horns on my head like no way no 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 my son is not doing figure skating I'm like but he really loves skating He's like, nope, he's doing hockey. And I was like, okay. <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that there's these, these, even to this day, there's this bias um, against what's considered like a more feminine thing to do. And so now we're being bombarded with like, okay, now we got to change. The, the guy's got to change. This toxic masculinity, patriarchy, you know? And so um, my guest today, Dylan Hunter Olson, he is um, – has created the authentic brotherhood. He's the founder. He's a transformational coach. He's actually a musical artist as well, known as Lover. Um, and he's my guest today. And on the show, we're going to talk about what is the authentic brotherhood, like what's it about, how can you get involved. We're going to be talking about radical authenticity, radical self-honesty. These are so important in this day and age of what I call ascension, um, how to be an alchemist in your own life, transmute suffering into love, and, and share a few tools and techniques that may override our conditioning and program and become the hero in our life story. And even though he is a men's coach, I think what we're going to talk about today is so true for all people, men, women, children, whatever. It's really, really important. So without further ado, welcome, Dylan. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Oh, I am so thrilled that you're here today. <laughs> I'm excited too. Um, you know, I, I get super excited when there are people of your age group um, that are doing this important work. It's so important because, you know, it's one thing to have a 65-year-old, you know, uh, having gone through this amazing evolution, but for them to talk to the younger people is a little bit more challenging because they have different life experience. Um, so maybe you can share your personal life experience. How did you come all this way to found the Authentic Brotherhood, and why did you do that? Mm. Well, it was, uh, you know, I, I'm, so I'm 29, I turned 30 this year and it was, I was, I lived life in the fast lane for, for a while and it wasn't, and it was all out of, um, an escapist mentality, uh, that I, I developed as a, a child very early on, um, when I, you know, de- I internalized and developed the false beliefs that, um, it was a lot safer for me to dim my own light and hide who I really was out of fear of being found out. And so I, I, I really, um, you know, I had a growing up my, I was about six years old. My dad committed suicide and I, I didn't mm-hmm. fully, I comprehended it, but I didn't fully comprehend it. And, um, and then soon after that, about a year after that, I experienced um, uh, what I've, what I've come to reframe as um just it was my first very estranged uh, kind of experience with sexuality but it was it was definitely it was molestation but it was like i didn't i didn't know what it was uh, cuz i was mm-hmm. so young i was very innocent and uh, but it wasn't until really the parents found out about it um that i felt that shame and guilt and once i felt that i really just went into a fugue state of um like I just shut off my awareness I shut off um you know I wouldn't let my mom hug me she was like I don't know what happened but my my little boy just like went away I don't I don't know what happened to you and so um I really just sought refuge in escaping my life constantly and that was through um video games pornography um and then that really spiraled. Once I discovered drugs and alcohol, that, you know, when I was like 18 or 19, I was like, oh, my God, oh, I, can just, I can really escape myself. And, right. um, and so I really, I mean, I, I wasn't addicted to any one particular drug. I think I uh, kind of was addicted to all of it, you know, as compulsive mm-hmm. partying, um, you know, being extremely promiscuous, uh, you know, I, the, the things I was that I really took me on a dark path, which actually was led me to um, the inspiration for the Dark Brotherhood was uh, Coke, heroin and alcohol. And I was using them just I mean, I was unhealthy. I was pale. I was gaunt. I uh, um, and just, you know, it just kept spiraling out of control. And uh, I and I was diagnosed with clinical depression and, you know, probably around the age of eight or nine years old, mm-hmm. very young. And, um, and so, but, and so I, for a long time, I wore that victim badge, you know, like, Oh, my dad mm-hmm. killed himself. Oh, I was molested. Oh, these, and I wore these things as pieces of my identity. And all that did was keep me in a low vibrational state. And, mm-hmm. um, so, but I had this experience. I, uh, 
I met a woman and just fell madly in love. And I, uh, and she was a traveler and she ended up buying a ticket to Ecuador. And I was like, well, what the heck? I thought we had something nice. And she was like, well, why don't we continue this? So I was like, you know what? I've always wanted to be more of a romantic. So I quit my jobs and I, <laughs> I went to Northern California in Mammoth Lakes where I shoveled snow off of rooftops in the middle of winter to make money. It was all cash under the table. And I made about $10,000 in like less than a little less than two months. And wow, that's a uh, lot of yeah. rooftops. It was a lot Holy of rooftops. <laughs> <laughs> and you so got I, yeah, I, and I, you know, I, my will was there. I, uh, I paid off some things and then I bought a one-way ticket to Columbia and I went down mm. and it was, it was so magical. It was, um, but really, uh, you know, it was, it was just a beautiful experience until it wasn't, which, and what I mean by that is I didn't heal myself. I didn't do the inner work and I wasn't doing the inner work. And so my, you know, my, my stuff follows me wherever I go. So it mm-hmm. followed me. It came with me and, um, and the Coke was super cheap and the booze was super cheap. Mm-hmm. And I was um, playing, you know, playing music on the streets. I was busking, but I also was getting gigs in, establishments while I was down there because I took my guitar. So I was playing gigs around in Iquitos. Iquitos, Peru is where we lived for three months. And, um, and uh, I got, there was this point where um, there was one night where um, I, I was just in my unhappy drunken stupor and I was at this cafe and um, my partner at the time, she came from the computer lab because she was actually the one that introduced me to being a freelance writer. So she came from the computer lab to find me and um, and had told me that she had been um, really catcalled and uh, basically this basically pack of feral men uh, mm. had, you know, started um, – attempting to violate her boundaries and in, in many mm. ways like did they didn't I don't believe they physically did but they they were but they violated her her uh, personal boundaries and yeah. um and I wasn't there and she was shaken up and I just remember her telling me this and just feeling so emasculated I just felt so weakened in my masculine core I was like oh my god like I am such pardon my French, but I'm such a pussy that I, like, I can't just be in myself, in my life to, you know, protect the people I care about. And she was like, are you coming back to the apartment? And I just, I felt so weak that I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just wanted to curl up and hide away. So she, she um, left the cafe, went back to the apartment and I, I stayed out because I just, I just wanted to escape. That's all I knew how to do up until this point Mm -hmm. for the past, you know, 20 something years. All I ever did was escape myself. And so I sought to do that again and I got really, really drunk. And, um, I was, I I had left a bar and I mean, there, I mean, people were out until there, you know, here it's bars close at two there. It's no, things just keep going until the sun comes (laughs) up and you're not really sure what's going on. So, I had I don't really remember what time it was, but I, I was like, I'm going to go to the river. I just want to go write in my journal, and I'm just feeling – I just don't feel good. So I'm walking towards the river, and I get approached by a prostitute. And 
I don't have a lot of money and I'm feeling, I'm just in such a bad way. And um, I basically end up hopping in a tuk-tuk with this prostitute and going to this seedy hotel in a city that I've only lived for three months in another country, thousands of miles away. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? So I get to this hotel and, and this was all a blessing in disguise too, because basically we get there and she, uh, you know, asks if I have protection and I was so, and I had already paid her at this point and nothing had happened. And she, um, I was so ashamed that I was just like, can, can you go, if this is a thing, can you go get it? Well, lo- thank God for her. She just took my money and left and just left me. Uh. There. And so it took me a minute to realize what was happening. But I, when I did, it was like just this moment of clarity followed by a massive like sledgehammer of shame to my soul. <laughs> oh boy. And so I, I realized what had happened. I, I left the room, dropped the key off at the front, and I was so grateful that nothing had happened. But I was just like, great. Now I like basically allowed myself to get robbed. Or rather, the universe took from me what needed to be taken from me to wake my ass up. And I was just, I was grateful. So I, but I um, hopped in a tuk-tuk, had no idea where I was, so I couldn't give the guy directions. And he tried to, he tried to swindle me out of my phone, which I didn't give him. I just, I think I gave him a pair of headphones. And, um, <laughs> so he takes me to the apartment and, um, my partner was waiting up for me and I was so like, the shame and the guilt was so much. And, uh, and I, I didn't even know what to say. I didn't even know what to do. Um, and so needless to say that the keys, the keys ended up out in the street, um, and we were we were landlords of a apartment complex for uh, like temporarily for a friend that owned them, and um, and you need the keys not only to get in but also to get out of the gate. And so they were in the street and I was inside the gate. So I had to go inside our apartment and pull out a table and a stool so I could climb on top of this nine or ten foot gate. And uh, and I was still drunk. I had been doing coke and I I slipped off the top. Uh, with you know my bare feet and I landed like on my heels on the Mm. concrete and uh, kind of I'm pretty sure I broke both my feet because I could not really walk it hurt really bad oh my gosh Uh, so so yeah so now I'm like broken footed broken hearted of my own accord and I but I have the keys so I go back inside and I had mentioned that I was feeling suicidal a few days prior and my uh, partner uh, so she had hidden all the knives in the apartment and locked me out of our room. We had a, a, another room in the apartment. And um, and so I was laying on the bed in the guest room or the second room, and there was no blankets. There was no pillows. I was coming down off of everything and just just the, sh- the shame, the guilt, the pain in my feet, everything just started setting in really, really, really hard. And it got to a point where I just, um, I, I just didn't feel like I could do it anymore. So mm. I, I crawled out to, um, the kitchen. I, I drug a stool into the bathroom and I wrote a suicide note and I, mm. um, took a, I took my belt and I, uh, tied it around my neck and I fastened it to the, um, the bars on the bathroom window. Oh, wow. And I just stood on this stool for, what seemed like eons, it just seemed, it seemed like it was forever. Um, 
and just flashes of everyone I've ever loved. And I, I just stood there, just tears in my eyes, like, all I have to do is tip the stool and this will all be over. That's all I have to do. Right. And, uh, and I just stood in that moment of like literally being one physical movement away from uh, death. And, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I, I mean, obviously I'm still here. So I, I, but I, and I couldn't do it. And I, um, you know, soon after that came back to the States and, um, and even though I didn't, you know, and I, I basically was like, I never want to feel that way again. I never want to make those choices ever again. So that's when I initially started it as the authentic masculine collective. And I, um, and that was about four or five years ago. And, um, and it was very, uh, you know, I was taking from other men's programs I had been a part of and just really, um, I just wanted to, to offer that little golden grain of wisdom that I received from my own pain to, to other men. And, and it picked up speed pretty quickly for a bit. Um, and I was doing it. I mean, there was no COVID at the time, so I was doing it all in person. We would actually have gatherings and, and it was really potent. It was really amazing, but it lost speed. And the reason it lost speed was because I, wasn't doing the work. And, um, you know, I kind of, my spiritual journey was one of revelation and denial where, where I would have (laughs) these revelations. And then I would say, I could still party. I can still use those things. I can still do this stuff that I've been doing. That's, you know, an escapist mentality. And it wasn't until, um, almost two years ago that I really had a, just a massive awakening and what, I perceive is a, a, a quantum shift in my own consciousness where I feel like I, you know, went forward 10 years in like a less than a year kind of a thing. And, um, uh-huh. and it was really just once I, you know, I, I ended up getting a DUI and, um, and, co- and then again, you know, continuing the same stuff for about a month, but then I just had this clicking moment where I was just like, Oh, this, this doesn't work anymore. And it was just very simple. There was no, there was no identity about it. There was no, um, you know, there was no complication. It was just once just accepted it and admitted it and was willing to, to let that go, let who I perceived myself to be go and allow who I truly am to shine through. Um, it might, everything just became miracles ever since. And I, uh, yeah, from there, I, um, I was like, man, I really, I want to get back into my, my men's work. And, um, especially since now I've, I'm way more equipped because <laughs> I, I, you know, <laughs> the, the, the inner work is my daily practice. And, um, yeah. and so I, I decided to do a little rebranding and, uh, and coined the authentic brotherhood. And now we do it all virtually, but essentially that is a, that is, it was a lot of pain and a tragedy and suffering of my own accord that really sparked the authentic brotherhood. Well, those were what sparked it, but self-love is really what pulled it together. in the end. Mm. Yeah. So true. Thank you so much for sharing that uh, beautiful yeah, thank you for listening. story. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing to me how that um, no matter how dark a down, you know, tunnel that we can 
get ourselves into that there's always that uh, sliver of hope. I know I, you know, had been in that place of um, feeling suicidal with my illness and fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and just never feeling good enough. And that self-love, mm. self-esteem, and, and uh, obviously, you know, in our cases, self-forgiveness is so yes. huge. Yeah, so huge. And, you know, I, I wanted to make a, a mention about what you talked about um, as a young person, that, you know, we have these labels of, you know, like, uh, it's very, I don't know what the exact circumstances are, but um, that we sometimes will label children as having been molested or whatever. And and I have told, you know, parents and clients and patients before, I said, you know, it's worse that we almost like judge it. Like, I'm not saying that it should happen, but I'm just saying that it's worse sometimes that we put that label on it. Oh, you've been molested. Do you need therapy? You know, like, yeah. and then, and then, cause the child's like, it's just what it is. Like, it's not like good, bad, whatever. And sometimes I'm like, well, that was fun, you know? And it, and it's like, you don't have a judgment about it as a child. You're innocent until an adult comes along and says, Oh my God, you need to be fixed. You're broken. This person did some awful things to you. And, and then you're like, well, what if I liked it? Oh, then I'm in shame. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's yeah. It uh, yeah. A friend of you mine, bring up you some know, very huge, very like, um. Yeah. Yeah. Some Cause very. Because don't say it's bad, and they were like, "It is, right?" And they were yeah. like, "Oh, it's bad." Okay. So how am I going to make this bad? And and then we actually make it bad, and then we have that shame part. Um. And so we, as adults, can do really a lot of damage by even this whole COVID thing. I don't know if you <laughs> agree with this as well, but I'm not saying that. Like I, you know, I I actually think masking little children is you know, a form of abuse. But the thing is, is I wouldn't tell that to the children, <laughs> you know, like yeah. talk among themselves. Um, and at the same time as if we go, Oh, that poor child, you know, and, and do all this, you know, posturing around it, it can make things worse, not better. Yeah. It's like a, and yeah, it's, it's very interesting, you know, cause I, I understand, you know, protecting children there, but at the same time, children are so wise and they are so, they they're not dumb children and they're not stupid they're just mm-hmm. learning the human game and and so it's a mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's always interesting to see see that that kind of diminishment of where it's like you could just ask a child what they think and they'll tell you <laughs> well <laughs> yeah you I, I love that piece and we, we're not curious enough really um yeah. about their experience like when you know when children see ghosts or spirits or whatever instead of going oh you didn't see that or, oh, that's oh yeah, your you have a vivid. Friend. What a vivid, yeah, what a vivid imagination you have. And it's like yes, <laughs> and then they or ignore they actually it. saw those things, right? And then yeah. you know, but if you can go, oh, that's that's really interesting. Can you tell me more, right? And then they feel mm-hmm. free, and then they don't shut off their their gifts. Um, and then of course, then you can teach them boundaries. Right. So if they said, well, yes, this one's a little bit scary, mom, and this one told me that I should you know, should scribble all over the wall and, and stab my brother with a, with a pen, right? Like, you know, <laughs> they'd be like, okay, well, let's talk about that, right? And and, yep. and then, I mean, to be, parents are just scared half the time. They don't know what they're doing. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. They just brought a little can, a new but... human being into the world. and mm-hmm. They do their <sighs> best, you know, and uh, but just being curious is uh, so much more powerful um, that, and then the children learn to trust their parents. And I think parents also want to seem perfect. And I get that. 
Um, yeah. But they're human yeah, and, that, and they're not. It's that sense of uh, curiosity and wonder that is, you know, it's nature. I, I think Alan Watts used this phrase, but it's fulfilling nature's game of being aware of itself because that's, mm. that's the existential, that's really what this all is. It's just experience for the sake of experience and being aware you know, of one conscious being consciousness, being aware of itself. And when you, when you lose that sense of wonder and curiosity and that desire to discover and explore, um, you know, you, you no longer fulfill that desire to be aware to, for of nature being aware of itself. And so it's like, then you start living a very, uh, you know, lackluster existence and, you know, probably succumb to a shorter lifespan. Mm. Well, we're definitely taught, uh, at least I was, and I see many people, my clients included, were taught by our parents who were taught by their parents and taught by society and governments and teachers that um, we need to be safe and how to be safe is to follow the rules. And when we follow the mm. rules, then we don't get into trouble and, and really try not to make any mistakes because if you make mistakes, then you're going to be unhappy and have all sorts of problems and, and cause trouble for others. <laughs> see, and we haven't really been taught even what a, what a mistake actually is. We just mm-hmm. attribute, we attribute, you know, this kind of, you know, it's like pre-shame. Like we're yep. pre-shamed for making a mistake. So we never want yep. to make one, but we don't exactly. actually, it's like, but we realize like, you know, we're like clouds and water and trees. They, the, trees don't make mistakes. Clouds don't make mistakes. Waves don't make mistakes. A leaf falling to the ground is never, you know, doesn't make a mistake. So why, how do we make mistakes? Is there such a mm-hmm. thing? <laughs> well, like one of my mentors, uh, Marcus, he's, uh, he's you know, uh, he helps wellness leaders with their business and, and sometimes we get stuck, you know, in our own like fear uh, about, you know, being out there, being seen, so on and so forth and, and failing. And that's a very, very big fear about failing, being seen and then fail. So he says, you know what? Fail fast. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> fail fast, fail fast, you know, and then learn, you know, you learn from it, uh, but do it as quickly as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But in my, in my childhood, it, it was like, don't fail at all, right? That was, the, that was the message that I heard. Whether they said that or not, that's what I heard. Don't fail at all. Mm, so yeah, I was such you a bring perfectionist. A, yeah, and that's a, such a good point, too, of um, you know, recognizing. I don't know if that's what I heard, but that is what, you know, that's what I internalized. That's what I experienced. Because um, that was, uh, you know, with, with my own experience with the – uh, molestation or the estranged, we'll call it the estranged sexual experience. Um, and, uh, but it was, you know, really what had happened was my, uh, so my, we were, we were Christian at the time and my mom, uh, some people at the church had told my mom, well, if your mother-in-law finds out, um, she will have your kids taken away from you. So my mom oh. told me, I'll tell you, but what I heard is you're disgusting don't tell anyone about this. Just no one should ever know. Just you have mm. to totally just, and that's what I internalized. And so from that, I just squashed myself. And yeah. uh, it's really interesting how we, you know, just because something is said in a certain way, like we can internalize it in a totally different way. 
yeah, we interpret it, internalize it, because our ego is just, just trying to make us safe, you know, safe and survive, yeah. to survive in society and community. Because, you know, what eight-year-old can just be, you know, throw, well, some, you know, thrown out into the street and survive. It's scary. So in order to fit in, so I can survive and have a roof over my head and food and people that love me, I need to do what they say. So I will yeah. be safe. And that's just uh, natural. Yeah. Natural. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think though that this, this massive awakening we're seeing in in the collective Mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, moving away from like realizing that, that, um, you know, we're moving from survival into, or from surviving into thriving, you know, Mm -hmm. how, you know, we don't, uh, yeah. Yeah. Moving away from that more, um, you know, primitive, uh, and I use that term loosely just in reference of, uh, you know, a, a very ego based world, but we can't get rid of the ego. You know, the ego is a wonderful tool. It, it allows us oh, yeah. to, to interact and interpret. And, um, and as you said, it keeps us safe. Um, but how do we use it as a tool instead of uh, getting confusing the tool with who and what yeah, we are? Yeah. Who, who's in charge, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> who's guiding here? Uh, you know, uh, our soul or our ego, um, it's a big difference in, in the, uh, the quality of our lives, yeah, uh, who we let to is. be in the driver's seat. Um, you know, the, when you said earlier, Dylan, about, uh, your drug experience, um, this is so, so common. Like even, uh, you know, my current husband, James went through his own, you know, uh, path with that. Um, it was very strange to me because my drug of choice was codependency and, uh, perfectionism. And of course, those are societal, like, you know, society applauds those things, right? Like, you know, I was addicted to getting, you know, uh, awards, uh, medals, A plus, uh, pats on the back, um, you know, I'm your favorite child, you know, like teacher's pet, whatever it was. I was just so afraid to to really be me um, because what if what if I wasn't good enough? So I just did everything to show on the outside world that I was good enough. And then I see that other sensitive souls do kind of the opposite, right? Because the, 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 the fear or shame, whatever, the feelings are so great, they go into escapism. And I think based on our like core, um, you know, habits, there, there's an easier way, one way or the other. So for some types, it's like, yeah, we're going to go down the world, you know, the drugs, which is not necessarily, obviously, society doesn't approve that, whereas I went the society approved way, but it's similar. Oh, yeah, reasons. it is. <laughs> it is. It, we're, yeah, we're on different different ends of the um, the polar spectrum and uh, in terms of the, and, but they're both the same. There's mm-hmm. different, different forms of one another. But yeah, I definitely, um, yeah, it was definitely a lot of that. I think too, feeling like I didn't have a place in the world. Um, I grew to be, I was very, you know, I had a lot of disdain for society and, um, and just humanity for a long time. Like I, I was, I was the person that I was, I just, (laughs) I used to just want, putting it simply, I wanted to see the world burn. I wanted to piss people off. I wanted to get Mm -hmm. a rise out of Mm -hmm. people. And it was like, it was a, you know, my way of feeling, I guess, like I had control in so, yep. over something. And, um, and, uh, and then the drugs part, you know, it was, uh, I, you know, I, uh, got into music very young. Um, and it was, it, you know, 
first year of high school, so I was 14, I really, you know, made the switch from, because I grew up playing sports like every other kid. And then uh, that's when I was like, I was really depressed, really angry, um, as most, you know, 14-year-olds experience. Um, and um, But I, I decided to just crawl inward. And I was like, you know what, I, I'm just going to... I'm going to pour myself into my music. And that's when I really, I started playing in bands and, um, you know, I started as a drummer, taught myself guitar and, and singing and, um, and then piano and bass. And I really just, you know, wanted to learn it all. And, um, and then in my early adulthood, probably like 20 or 21, um, you know, I was in the thralls of my, my craziness where, you know, taking like a half ounce of psychedelic mushrooms at a time or, you know, like, just just copious amounts of things that should have killed me. I don't know, but especially with how unhealthy mm. I was. I don't, I don't, but all I understand is that I, I had, I have more to do. So that, that's, <laughs> that's all I can make sense of it is like, it, nope. The universe is probably like, dude, you are really pushing the limits, bro. Like, come on. Yeah, your, your <laughs> angels are, you are like, okay. <laughs> that's okay, like, hey, man, we're, we're throwing you a, <laughs> so many bones, but you, you really got to turn this around soon because <laughs> we're, we're breaking the laws of physics here. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, my husband said he had a similar experience. Uh, I think I can't remember whether it was Coke or what, but speed or something. I think it was speed that, that his heart felt like he was going to have a heart attack. And he oh, really yeah, felt, I'm going to die. I'm going to die right now. Holy S-H-I-T. Um, and obviously he survived, but but he was like, okay, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> I mean, um, but I, I don't know whether you feel this way at all. I just want to run this theory by you here, yeah. um, Dylan. But um, what I've come to understand, and my perception anyway, um, is that we are all um, – that, that authenticity we talk about, you know, that we're all getting closer to our source self, our inner wisdom, the true self, the God self, if you will. And that sometimes the drugs seem to be like kind of a false God in a way, like a way of connecting to that feeling of being connected to source, but it's not really because then we come down and then it's the same problem. Yes. Our lives don't work. Um, and, um, and it's that's it, interesting because, like I said, this is really, really, really common. And among men, uh, the porn's really common. Less so among women, but the porn's really common. Um, and so this quote-unquote addictive nature, um, and and right now it, it is common. But the addictive nature is something that, unfortunately, the the powers that be that are not in the love and light take advantage of that. Absolutely. Um, and then we don't get to shine our light and we think we do, but like you were having some, what we call cognitive dissonance at some point where you're like, well, I have this, you know, this brotherhood and, and we're helping each other, but you're still doing drugs and partying. And it's not that we should judge that it's bad. It's just, does it work? And is that really authentic? Which is what you were getting at. And the answer was no. Yeah. So then you shifted. Yeah, absolutely. And I definitely, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head because for a long time, um, because for a while it was, which this is uh, very ironic, was, you know, in my escapist mentality, I was using a lot of psychedelics at first before I got to the really dark drugs. And, um, mm -hmm. but you can't escape yourself on psychedelics. So I was using psychedelics Shoot. in it. In in <laughs> yeah. And so, but then I, you know, and I did become reliant on them in some sense of, mm. oh, well, if I do, you know, these psychedelics enough or in this way, 
um, I will, you know, experience God and have these revelations. And that was, uh, you know, somewhat, you know, some madness that I, I liked, I played around with and, um, yeah. And, you know, the, the addiction, it, it really is, uh, very prevalent nowadays. And especially, you know, I, there's a book, um, called, uh, for the love of men by Liz Sparks. And she um, basically travels all over the world, all over the country, interviewing people and, and, and taking a look deeper look into masculine culture. And it is just startling what she discovers about like the, the traditional sense of masculinity um, that really conventional uh, really false sense of masculinity is it, it's, it, it's not a, a, you know, it's not a white American thing. It's everywhere. It's mm. a it's a thing that's ingrained in men all over the world. People that have wow. never met, that have never interacted. It is a similar thing where men, you know, don't express their emotions. There are they stereotype, you know, like that's a woman's job. Like there are cultures in Africa that, and granted, could that also be from uh, white colonialism? Absolutely, it could. Do it is it guaranteed not necessarily but white colonialism is a huge thing um that has influenced it but uh you know and yeah that addiction especially nowadays uh you know as you said the you know and i've i've talked with many um women uh who you know expressed to me how how their partner's use of pornography affects their relationship and it really does i mean it it fucked me up in terms of my ability to be intimate and to um, receive intimacy and to be in that space for a very long time, because I was, you know, my frames of reference that I had from watching that material was very false. It was not real. It was so, and it was so mechanical and um, not, you know, after, and now, you know, I study a lot of Taoist and, um, principles and, and Tantra and, um, you know, a lot of sacred sexuality and it's just so far from it. And, um, and this is going to be a little piece of a rant that I'm going to throw out there, but you know, this, all, this, all this only fans <laughs> bullshit, all these women that are saying I'm empowering myself and with my sexuality, with my only fans account, but you're having men. What is that actually? Sorry. For, I don't know what no, that is. So, so there's this site called only fans where apparently okay. it's like you can have people pay to access your content. But now there's all these women that are like, oh, I'm a woman. I'm going to um, – who are basically using their, their feminine sexuality as a weapon to get money from dudes is how I see it. Um, okay, okay. Which it's like, okay, so there's all these men that have these undeveloped masculine cores that mm-hmm. are, you know, get, just sending you money, feeding you compliments because of your – you know, pseudo pornographic material and Mm. you call it, you call it empowering yourself, but you're disempowering so many others and allowing, or rather you're allowing these disempowered people to stay disempowered. And I'm like, that's not noble. I don't care what you think that is. That's to me, that's not authentic. I I just, I'm like, I think there's a better way. So, and it's uh, cause that's also a huge thing too, where like now, you know, guys, you know, there is porn, but then there's also OnlyFans. So now guys can actually engage, like they can digest somewhat pornographic material and sometimes very pornographic material from women they actually know 
or that are, you know, more on a real scale instead of being kind of pushed off into the distance in a fantasy world like a porn star. Now these are Mm -hmm. actually real women in their community who they can interact with and digest their somewhat pornographic material. And it's, uh, that's extremely unhealthy, you know, especially if, you know, because a lot of men are, you know, when it comes down to authentic masculinity, what we're handed down from our fathers and grandfathers is, well, first of all, we're socialized as children. Not only should you not express your emotions as a boy, you mm-hmm. shouldn't even have them to begin with. Like, <laughs> right. Your, your emotions as a boy, it's like, oh, you know, you see boys beating the crap out of each other. And it's like, oh, boys will be boys. I really? know. It's like, that's in our blood. You're telling us that violence is just an innate mm-hmm. part of who we are. And a boy, a boy can't play with a Barbie. A boy can't wear pink. Mm-hmm, a boy mm-hmm. can't. Like, why not? Like, it's just a toy of a woman. Who, like, women are great. Why can't a boy? What? Why can't he? Oh, hey, what's going on? Why not? Like, what's, what's so bad about that? And yet we're taught that. Um, and so we grow up in fear of, you know, and then we socialize ourselves through our peers. Uh, you know, it's in sports, in the locker room of, oh, what, you pussy? Oh, you little bitch, yep. you're going to cry. And, and it, tra- we, so basically we traumatize each other uh, as yeah. boys. We are these little feral boys, these little wildlings, <laughs> just traumatizing each other from early on. And then we become adults who are basically stunted. We're basically adult teenagers. We're, you know, we have adult bodies, but we're acting out of childhood programming still. So we're basically just adult kids. And then we wonder why our relationships don't work, why our sex lives are so unfulfilling, why our careers suck, and why we are so unhappy. And it's because not only is our system not built to allow men to expand into their fullest selves, but we also just don't allow ourselves to do it out of fear of what will, what will everybody think? Will mm-hmm. women find me desirable enough, you know, if I'm not a big, strong, stoic man um if i'm not in this way and it this none of this is to diminish you know the the plight of women and what women have experienced and and um but men are definitely in need of it men are definitely there's a you know and you look at the development of it all of the 1950s men were the domineering head of the household they were the breadwinners and then um and then the feminist movement came along and they're like all right you guys have done you guys have done enough, okay? It's the, you guys need to chill the fuck out. And guys are like, okay, all right, we'll chill, we'll chill. And then time goes on, and then women are like, where's our strong men at? And men are like, oh, I, I'm right here, I'm right here. Yeah, and the women so have to do everything. Like, do I have to do everything? I have to run this household and have yeah. a job and take care of the kids, and you never know when their birthday is, and you don't know when their parent-child, you know, meetings are, and why do I have to take care of everything? And they get exa- the women get exhausted and blah blah blah. So yeah, so now men are at this standstill <laughs> where they're like, well, what I do you want? Know- <laughs> yeah, what do you want? What do you want? We just want to show up, you know, like at the end of the day, and um. And yeah, that, that radical authenticity, you know, that's really, you know, I, I love, you know, G- Jesus is just a huge, I'm a huge fan of that guy. He's an, <laughs> just, and so I love, you know, being able in that, you know, in every moment, I just want to lead people back to themselves, just remind them of how, how this is just a human interaction. And, uh, and that's really what it is. You know, men are just people, men are people. 
Men are human beings. And they, you know, you see all this like demonizing and this condemnation. And it's like, why does, you know, like, oh, what is he, a cheater? Cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. And it's like, I guarantee you that guy is operating out of age old programming and he's feeling a fuck ton of pain and shame and guilt. I guarantee you he's not just out here to like make you feel pain. He's not just out here to hurt you because it brings him joy because he's just a sadistic motherfucker. Like that's, I, I, I would be willing to bet 90% that that is not the case. And more right. often than not, we just don't, we don't listen. You know, we don't listen and actually look. You know, you, you look into someone's eyes and you can see how they're feeling. Um, and, and it's uh, scary to do that. I remember the first time I was, you know, asked to do that in a workshop at the Omega Institute. I mean, I was bawling. Like soul star? Like, like a, I, the eye gazing? Eyes? Oh, oh my gosh, is, yeah. OMG. Yeah, it, talk about it. Yeah, you're just naked. There's no hiding in that. <laughs> I was like, can I look away now? Well, it helps to be a sensitive soul, right? You just feel. Yeah, you're just like, like, I Whoa. feel everything. Yeah, exactly. Well, I want to uh, share a couple of things I wanted to ask you about. Um, first of all, um, uh, what, what has come out as of, gosh, uh, you know, Penny Pierce in her book, um, he shows a several books of uh, frequency, uh, leaf of perception, transparency. So in the transparency book, she talks about how we're evolving into like this, what you, you know, similar radical authenticity, transparency. And what's happening is there's a lot of things coming out now that were hit very, very hidden. Um, the me too movements come, you know, these, these allegations coming out and there have been so many uh, mostly male, I'll say gurus who have been found out uh, sometimes their followers actually, after you know being brainwashed for decades, finally come out and, and share what was really going on. Um, mm-hmm. That there was like all the sexploitation, uh, human trafficking. You know, John of God's an example, Yogi Bhajan from Kundalini Yoga. I mean, the, and and the list goes on and on. And so it's so shocking for many to go. Wait a second, these were gurus. Like these, like they had millions of followers, right? That that wow. trusted them. So I would love for you to comment on that piece. Like, is this like part of that, um, that authenticity that's naturally coming through and we're learning to like, you know, actually one person who is a Kundalini yoga uh, practitioner said, what do I do with this stuff? Right. Like, like, and, and there's so many benefits to Kundalini yoga, but yet their big, you know, leader that they trusted did all this stuff behind the scenes and had sex slaves and all this kind of stuff. So she's like, what do I do with this? Like, do I just quit? You know, um, well, so just, any, you know, thoughts from your end? Well, what I would, um, yeah, um, you know, because I actually, you know, I, I you know, I, I don't, I don't, I really do not, uh, I don't participate in a lot of news. So that was all, thank you for sharing that with me. I, I was totally unaware of that. Um, but, uh, you know, like. Uh, oh, the hot yoga guy, too. He's another one. Okay. The guy who created um, hot yoga, he also got into big trouble for that kind of stuff. This is pretty well, new I mean, to me too. I mean, I only learned this well, last oh, year. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, he created hot yoga, so. <laughs> well, he was really um, militant. You know, my 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 friends were like, "Oh, come on, do it!" You know, it's so great. And I just like, you know, I'm already very masculine because my business. I just do not need more masculinity. I am sorry. <laughs> I'm just yeah. not doing it. You're like, I've you know? got. Yeah. I, I got the balance. I'm good. <laughs> um, well, I mean, just from their actions, you know, 
because I feel like the the collective the collective tendency is to attach to an identity and uh, you know attach to the generalizations. Oh, he was a guru, you know, he was a guru, he was a yoga instructor. And so automatically people want to, you know, we want to compartmentalize, we want to generalize it and saying, "Oh, is all are all gurus like this or all yoga instructors like this are all men like this." But at the end of the day, it's that this particular human being was not authentic. Because if he was authentic, authentic people don't do those things. That's just not what, especially being a radically authentic person, that is, um, which what I see radical authenticity is, is which radical authenticity and radical self-honesty are, they, they're, it's symbiotic in relationship. Because when you can really be radically honest with yourself, like mm-hmm. you, you are, you hold yourself accountable then you won't, uh, even when you do make a, you know, even though we were talking about, can you really make a mistake? Even when you make a mistake uh, in your own perceived life experience, you can't, um, like you, it, oh man, like it, uh, you, you learn from it and you move forward because of yeah. your, that radical self-honesty. You can, you can forgive yourself and be like, you know what? And then not only that, but being willing to show up and I think it's, you know, when we really allow, um, you know, I'm, I'm going through A Course in Miracles again, and it's, you know, that, that pulling back of the veil from your eyes, like removing the cataracts from your eyes mm. and, and allowing yourself to see yourself truly as you are. And when you do that, you see others as they are because you mm-hmm. see everything else as yourself. Like, and because, and, and so I think what can be said about the the gurus and the yoga instructors and even uh you know the all those the men that were involved in those really heinous things is um you know and when you when you think about you know someone's actions well what creates actions well our you know our thoughts create everything we do whether that be our speech our actions mm-hmm. or our inaction it all comes from um our thoughts and our self-talk. And so if what we can really boil it down to is that these men were not in a state of regard, despite the fact that they were coined gurus. I mean, when you truly love and accept yourself, Mm -hmm. I don't think that you, I don't think you would consciously choose to exploit another human being in that way without feeling an immense sense of of guilt i feel like it would be virtually impossible unless if you're just not human and then right. maybe they were maybe they were just like some really low vibrational alien or something i i don't know <laughs> that is possible. but uh, you know that's a possibility they could have been reptilians that's a you know we could go there or, you know of entities attached um in the form of the the guru uh, but it seems like if we really fully love ourselves then we kind of see everyone as us so yeah, how can we exploit another because we'd be exploiting and hurting ourselves but it just doesn't make any sense at all it doesn't do and that. so from that too you know like it's like oh well they said they were a guru and it's like but you know like but were they really though they can call you know if they were they could have been known as a guru and been doing guru work for however long and and you know maybe too it is that maybe you know they their path started brighter 
And maybe mm-hmm. over time, you know, they, uh, you know, there was the intoxication of, of power fame. and influence and fame, you know, like the, yeah. that, that stuff also happens. Sometimes people don't always, you know, sometimes they de-evolve instead of evolve mm-hmm. and expand. Sometimes uh, people go in a, a less noble direction and that's a very possibility. But then also thinking from a, you know, when we really expand beyond the human experience, and this isn't to diminish the human experience or to not point out the injusti- injustices and want something better for ourselves and all others, but realizing that on a cosmic scale, everything has its place. There is no such thing. The universe doesn't make a mistake. The universe doesn't make wrong choices in the people that come into incarnation and the paths that they choose. There, Nothing ever goes awry the more that we zoom out the magnification. It's just when we zoom in on our scale that we go, you know, we're experiencing the drama of it all. Mm-hmm. And it, but, and again, you know, I'm not, I don't want to diminish anyone's experience because trauma is trauma and trauma is traumatizing. And, mm-hmm. um, but then, but when we can allow, detach ourselves from it, I think detachment is a very huge piece of allowing ourselves to experience inner peace and self-love and also living right. in a state of being connected with God on a daily basis. Um, Which is different from using drugs and numbing. We're not talking about numbing in terms of disconnection, right? We're yes. talking about that non-attachment, which is very different. Yes, it's allowing, you know, allowing, it's allowance. You know, you, you see mm-hmm. things as they are, and but you detach all of your sense of meaning from it and... Um, and you just allow yourself to be with it, you know, whether it's with and, and see it as a reflection of you. Like this is, this comes from me. Everything comes from, from me, from, from source and not me in that egoic sense, but from the, you know, the I am um, mm-hmm. and recognizing that it, it really changes the way that you interact with yourself in the world um, and the way that you show up. And I think that when people are really rooted in that, such as, you know, as we would expect from a yoga instructor um, and a guru, um, actually, you know what, I, I just had it and then something, it, 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 <laughs> it, it, the last, the last, I, we got most of it. The last bit escaped me yeah. the last second. <laughs> Well, you know that I think that um, that authenticity. I, I I think authenticity is like the new black, because at this point I used to be very very tolerant. I have to say of those codependency patterns, which I was an expert at. I used to joke around that, you know, the word codependency. You'd see my picture, you know, <laughs> you know I'd be like the poster <laughs> child of codependency, right? So I used to joke around with that, and um, so now when when I have someone that lies to me. Like I just found out somebody that I trusted uh, who I don't know her that well, but it's a healthcare provider. Um, but it said something about, you know, she never touched the stuff, you know, she's talking about cigarette smoking. But then I found out that she lied and I was like, well, you know what? I, I'm like less perturbed that if she's having a hard time and she's smoking, then her lying to me about it, you know, like how can I trust a healthcare provider who's lying to me? Like what else? are you lying to me about, you know? So I'm not, not that tolerant anymore. And I don't want to hang out with people who are that. So I'd rather them say, Hey, this is an issue and I'm working on it. And, um, and just, 
uh, but but if they don't love themselves, then they're risking losing love of someone else, and that's why they lie. And I totally get that. It's just I'm not um, really wanting to hang out with those people <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, and that's such a powerful you know piece of awareness, and that was. Choosing who we surround ourselves with is huge. That was a big piece of my, um, mm. you know, my, my renewal was when I uh, really realized and made the choice to, to go sober and, um, and live a, you know, which I, and that was, you know, that sobriety in and of itself, I'm actually going to be teaching a course on sobriety at, uh, at IOTS. But nice. um, yeah, when I made that choice, it was, you know, that was a big piece of the inventory was the people that I surrounded myself with was like, Mm. what are these relationships when I really look at them? And that goes to that radical honesty of like, you know, cause a lot of us are like, Oh, you know, no, they're my friends. They're my friends. But that, but it's like, be real with yourself. Are they really your friends? Do you feel a deep sense of connection? Do you trust them so that you can be, or do you feel like you're your fullest sense of yourself? Do you feel like you have to squash certain parts of yourself? Yeah. What do you guys do when you hang out? Do you, what are your conversations like? How do you feel with this person? Does this person honor and respect your boundaries? Do they set boundaries? And when you really look at your relationships in this way, it, it is daunting and it, and it, it is a hard pill to swallow at first. But then it was like you said, like, as you continue, you become less tolerant of bullshit. <laughs> and so That's right. you, bullshit meter. yeah. <laughs> It's right. You just, at a certain point, you're just like, yeah, no, that doesn't work for me. And then they're like, you know, you say just straight up and they're like, oh, uh, but they, but people respect you more for that because then, and I think it inspires people. Like people are worried about like, oh, well, what, what are the people, what are they going to think? Are they going to think I'm a dick or a bitch? And it's like, no, when you do that, when you set those boundaries early on and you do it with assertion, not aggression, but Mm -hmm. assertively, people actually feel more welcomed, especially when you do it with love and yeah, compassion. Yeah, it feels more safer too. Yeah, because now they're like, oh, wow, this person just engaged in intimate discourse with me. They basically just are, they're revealing their true self to me. And now we can engage on an intimate level, even though it may have started in what seemed like a confrontation. But so many people are afraid of, even I, you know, I feel like we've all kind of been conditioned to be afraid of confrontation. Yes. Um, and, uh, but it's so much more freeing to just spit it out and just say it. I'm like, no, I don't like this. I don't mm-hmm. like this. Like this needs to change. And then when you do that and you set those boundaries with yourself, everything outside of you follows suit. And the people yeah, that they say are, we teach people how to treat us. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, wow, wow. And um, I just want to share for the folks that are live um, on the call here, if you'd like to speak with Dylan and give us your comments, you can put it in the chat as well. Um, the number to call in is 818-514-1190, sorry, and hit one. So 818-514-1190 and hit one. So if uh, whether you're male or female, if you have males in your life, which most of us do, like what's your experience, anything comments, questions, things you want to share, you can just hit one so we know that your hand is up. Um, now, Dylan, we promised some folks that, um, that, you know, for you to share maybe a couple of either tools or techniques 
that we can yes. use to override our conditioning and programming so we can become the hero of our lives. <laughs> That'd be great. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, we'll dive into it. Um, man, the, so the, I mean, the really, the, I would say one of the most powerful ones, at least for the radical self-honesty, and this is so simple that it's just mind boggling is just journaling. Journaling is huge because when you, when you write, I mean, it's like going to a therapist, but you're not actually having, no one else reads your journal. So you can be as honest as you want. And the more honest you are, the more that stuff doesn't bother you. Like you could sit there and all of a sudden you're, I mean, I'll even have journal entries where I start fully embodied and identified with my pain body or, um, or my attachments or whatever it is, my false belief. And I'll fully identify with those just feeling sorry for myself this and that and by the end of it I will have answered my own question and I don't feel any of that at by the mm. end of the journal entry because wow. because now I processed it I processed it mm. processed it in a really organic way and in a way where I feel totally uninhibited because there's no call and response judgment you yeah there's no judgment you are the call and response and it's just you calling and responding to yourself and um and so that's a really um, powerful tool. Uh, and along with that, um, you know, we don't really, uh, you know, I, I meditate a lot. I meditate and visualize, you know, every day. And, um, and a lot of people have trouble with meditation. But I would say meditation is probably one of the most important tools in, in the spiritual journey. And a lot of people are like, well, what is meditation? I don't know how to slow. I can't slow down my mind. I can't shut off my mind. Mm -hmm. And right there, it's not about, it's not about shutting off your mind. It's about being with yourself. Um, And so what I would, uh, you know, well, I'll I'll give our listeners a little kind of crash course on, on my process for meditation that you guys can all you implement. Uh, And I basically do it on a three tier scale where you start with your physical body. So just you close your eyes, you get comfortable, either whether you're sitting or you're laying down and you tune into your body, tune into the feeling of your body um, all over, you know, the sensation in your toes. Um, What does your nose feel like? Uh, You know, you're breathing deeply into your abdomen, all the way down into your genitals. um, And then you are exhaling uh, back up your spine and, um, and, and, you know, you're really just feeling your heartbeat from there. Once you feel like, you know, you're, you're ten, you've relaxed your tension or you relaxed your muscles, you're just in a, to- a total state of relaxation. Then you go a bit deeper into your mind where you just watch your mind, just watch it. Um, you know, a, a visualization I'll do with that is, um, you know, you, you know, some people will do the screen. You can imagine all the thoughts and feelings and ideas playing out like on a movie theater screen. Or you can even imagine them almost like a cyclone around you. And you can imagine them as words or pictures or all of the above, just kind of circling around you. But they're not you. You can just watch them. Just watch them go. Mm. And, uh, and you, but you're totally detached. None of them are you. And you can just watch and see that your mind is sometimes just like an annoying roommate that won't shut the fuck up. Where they're like, <laughs> oh, my God. What, hey, what did they think? Oh, my God. Do you remember when we did that? Oh, my God. She was ugly. Oh, my God. Can you believe and then you're eventually like, oh, my God, will you just shut? And then they don't shut up. So you're like, okay, well, I just have to, like, focus my attention differently. And so <laughs> from there, then, um, 
then you fall in between, you know, fall through the cracks uh, where you go into the silence beneath the noise. And that's, you know, that sense of stillness and in spirit where you can really just, you know, you're fully in the now you're, you're not even thinking of your breath at this point, your, your mind, you've, you know, you go so deep that your, your mind doesn't bother you. And are you going to do this on the first try? 100% no, you are not. Mm. But, you know, and that's what I tell people, even with music. Oh, you're getting into music. Be prepared to suck. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is. And with anything you do, be prepared to suck and enjoy it. Like a kid. Do you remember when you were like, oh, I've never played football. And then someone throws a football and it hits you square in the nose and then you start crying. But, you know, or, you know, when you're a baby, it's not like you tried to walk and you fell over and we're like, yeah, I tried that walking thing. It didn't work out for me. So I, uh, right. yeah, walking. I'm just going to stay crawling. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, nah, walking's not for me. No, we don't do that. So it's like with meditation, look at it the same way, you know, like if you're going into it and you're like, dude, I could not stop my mind. Um, just keep doing it, you know, and, and start small five minutes a day. And then once you feel like you've got somewhat of a handle on five minutes, bump it up to 10. Um, so I would say journaling and meditation, though, I mean, especially when I first got sober and I really got into my path um, and, uh, and I read, I read a lot. I read a lot of, mm. a lot of spiritual texts and a lot of books um, from a lot of, um, you know, entrepreneurs, but spiritual, spiritual books are like, those are my, my jam. I, I love because you can apply them and, uh, you can apply what you learn very like instantly. You can read it and apply it in the same day instead of reading to, you know, for entertainment. Um, and, but let me see, I'm trying to think of, uh, some, some exercises that, uh, you know, lately I've been in, and what's really, you know, I has really transformed my life in such a short amount of time recently um, is affirmations. Affirmations are freaking huge because our self-talk is one of the most detrimental things to our life experience um, if we don't regulate it. And um, so many of us are taught to, um, you know, we're taught, taught self-deprecation where it's like, mm-hmm. Who do you think you are that you can just make those demands or set those boundaries or think that you're worthy of having a million, acting like you're a millionaire when you have $100 in your bank account? None, all of that's irrelevant. If you say, I am a millionaire, and you dress like a millionaire, you eat like a millionaire, you be <laughs> a millionaire, guess what? You are agreeing vibrationally to being a millionaire, mm-hmm. and universal law states that you must now become a millionaire. And mm-hmm. we complement that with massive action. So obviously you can't, I mean, you can do it effortlessly. You can just manifest energetically, but when you complement it with massive action for no other reason, then it brings you immense joy and pleasure to take action. Yeah. You will see massive results in your life, in your relationships, in your careers, in, uh, in getting healthy sleep, having a healthy, sexy body that you love looking at in the mirror. Like no matter what it is, when you when you regulate and control the way you talk to yourself and think about yourself, um, it, it transforms your life in, in more ways than I can count. Um, oh my gosh, yes. 
Yes. And, and, yeah. and, it's, and it's a process, right? Like we it were is. So conditioned uh, to speak certain ways. And uh, luckily, you know, with my husband and myself, you know, we'll gently catch each other on certain things, uh, you know, that we say. He's like, um, did you really want to say it that way? I'm like, oh, yeah, right. Careful, careful. <laughs> you know, <laughs> reword <laughs> oh, something. Oh, that's so good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's nice to have something that we don't need that, but it's nice to have someone in the home that's going to be, uh, keep each other accountable to some extent. Like we are not each other's accountability partner. And I do have an accountability partner that we've been meeting for, gosh, I think over almost 10 years. I mean, a long time, a long time. And it's, and every Monday morning we, we, we do that. And it's been really, really great uh, to not have, you know, someone who's super close, you know, like a spouse or <laughs> a family yeah. member be your accountability And I think partner. that's such a, and you know, you, you bring that up and that is, you know, one of the main pieces of the authentic brotherhood is um, really, because a big, a big detriment to men and how they navigate their relationships. And I mean, I've done it, we, we've all done it and many people do it is um, where when we get into a romantic relationship, especially a codependent romantic relationship, um, all of our other relations, we become somewhat isolated in the relationship Mm. to where now the partner is not only just your partner. Now they're your mom or your dad. They're your therapist. Mm -hmm. They take on all these different roles instead of just being able to show up as your partner and nothing Mm -hmm. else where it's playful. It's fun. It's still, yeah, you're still going to have your tiffs. But it's no longer like this person isn't your support system. Like they're and they're not your. They yet do they support you? Absolutely. But they don't. They're not your sole support system. And so what the authentic right. brotherhood does is it provides men. You know, because I have people ask me, is it therapy? No, it's not therapy. We have a we have a process. Everything is confidential in the group because that that closed container allows for men to open up. Um, but it's really a space where and because another thing too is when men can connect with other men intimately in the space of being their authentic selves um, where there's no judgment, there's no locker room talk. There's none of that socialization going on. Um, It removes so much pressure, pressure from their careers and their partners and all of these areas. So they, they, it alleviates, it's almost like, you know, it allows for, it pokes holes in the contraption for steam to release so that they can show up more relaxed more present, more potent, and um, and more full of joy, because you know. And we do a lot of. Uh, I love doing shadow work, especially since you know I, I lived basically in, in my shadow. Just I let it embody me for much of my life, um, and so I you know really love doing that that shadow work with with men, which is uh, you know identifying the shadow. Uh, for instance, you know, mine, uh, for a lot of us, it's a, I am, you know, the name of it is I am undeserving of love. I'm not worthy of love. And um, that shadow will govern and that'll um, govern all of our behaviors, whether it's self-sabotage in relationships or careers or, um, you know, any number of things, uh, just that, that false belief that we are not good enough and not deserving of love. And that will drive how we show up in the world and with ourselves. And um, so through doing things like shadow work, but then I also, you know, I, I, cause I, I've learned a lot from so many masculine programs or a few of them that I've, I've had the pleasure of being a part of and, and I'm currently still a part of. And, um, 
but I want to do something different. I want to inject my myself into the authentic brotherhood, which is where um, I want, you know, for every one problem, I'll, we're going to find three solutions um, mm. because I, you know, there's no point to just sit and ruminate on problems. Yes. Express yourself. Let's, let's get your pain expressed in a safe space where you're with brothers um, who are going to hold you accountable and hold space for you. But also let's, you're not, let's not dwell there. Dwelling doesn't do anything. It's time to, you know, like, because for every one problem, there, is a, there are infinite solutions to every single problem, yeah. every single problem. And this is 100,000 million percent true. You know, you can <laughs> it just, it, it, I will, you know, we can go toe to toe, heart to heart, baby. But it totally is. It's, uh, it is true. You know, when we, we get so wrapped up in the problems of it all. But when you yeah. really think about it, it's like, oh, this is the problem. You know, if, if, and you know, that's another tool you can do too. You can look at these perceived problems you have in your life, write down the problem and then write down one through 10, write down 10 solutions. And the more that you do this, the easier you will be able to find, you'll find that you are so apt at finding creative solutions to any one problem where then anything, because then what that does is that develops your sense of confidence and you will have complete confidence and certainty to handle any hardship or perceived hardship mm-hmm. that you experience in life. So then nothing is hard anymore. So now you're, now you will have less fear as you live your life. So now it's like, Oh, I lost my job. And you're like, oh, that's cool. I've lost a job before. And I know that I can go get 10 better jobs or, you know what, now I'm going to build my business. I know I can do it. And wow. then when you have that sense of confidence and certainty in yourself, then that's when you really, you really step into being an alchemist and you really can build the exact life that you want. And for no other reason than you enjoy creating the life you want. You enjoy it. It brings you immense joy and love and happiness and freedom and peace. Not out of fear of not being good enough anymore. It's not out of fear of not having enough money. It's not out of, that's really, I think what we're all, looking to get towards, especially men, you know, men to have a tendency to isolate themselves from themselves. And what I do is I, I give them an opportunity, you know, the authentic brotherhood is an opportunity to step fully into yourself by communing with other men who are also stepping into themselves. And, um, and, and it also creates a support system, you know, where you, you'll have each one of these men's emails and phone numbers. So if all of a sudden, you know, um, you know, and it's the kind of space where a man can show up and go, you know what, I, I came too fast with my lover last night and I feel like an incompetent lover. And, and guess what? The guys in the group aren't going to go, Oh, what are you fucking pussy? No, they're going to be like, Hey, thank you for sharing. You know, like you are safe here, dude. Like, it's okay. Like I've done that too. I know that feeling. So now you're not alone. Now you're not alone in these things that you feel like you're alone in experiencing. And Mm, that's um, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really, so it's how do it's an authentic get brotherhood. That's exa- it really is, you know, it's it's all in the name. It's an authentic brotherhood and it's a Yeah, it's a very powerful tool and it's but it's a you know, it's difficult to get men to do it because men are also taught to have their shit figured out and that they have their shit figured out and they shouldn't have problems. So when you tell men, I got to hey, figure it out myself. I got to fix it myself. <laughs> I don't exactly. want to ask for help cuz I shouldn't need help. Yeah, and so when you tell men, hey, for all you guys that need help and have problems, here's this authentic brotherhood where you can take your life back in your hands, and they're like, I don't have a problem, you have a problem. And I'm like, yep. 
Like, yeah, the, the marketing must be so tricky. Um, it is. That's really, <laughs> you have to have a certain really amount a, of self-awareness you know, to even be in that space. Yeah. Yeah, and it, you know, that's really, it's it's proving to be a really fruitful challenge of, of you know, really learning how, how to market it in the proper way. And, um, you know, I love humor. I love comedy. And I definitely, you know, I do a lot of voice impressions and, and do, like, basically <laughs> just acting for myself. Like, there's times where I, I'll switch between, like, three or four characters just, you know, talking in a normal conversation just because I think it's funny. And, uh, but, um, you know, I've, I've definitely thought about injecting that sense of humor into it um, just to pull people in because humor is, you know, it's such a tool of, I think oh, Joe yeah. Rogan said it was a, of, of detonation and deflation. You know, you can totally mm-hmm. detonate a situation with humor or you can deflate something entirely. And so I think I kind of want to um, do a little bit of both. You know, I like to, cause I still like to detonate. I still like to get a rise in some capacity, but not so much just to cause a ruckus. It's more, you know, getting a rise to, to bring further awareness to things. Um, right. Sometimes it creates that shock kind of pulls you out of your skin a little bit. And you're like, Oh, yep. Pulls you out of that oh. slumber that we are often in just doing our everyday thing, habit, yeah. habit, habit. And then that shock, that truth bomb is like, boom, it's like, Whoa, what was yeah. that? What just happened? I, yeah. To- <laughs> I think Tony Robbins, you know, he, he actually says he does that with uh, his seminars where he, um, where he says fuck and you know he uses these these you know and people are like well why do you cuss and it's a but it's you know none of it is um and I love that you know none of it is just willy-nilly it's all deliberate strategic. and uh, it's strategic yeah where it's strategic because cussing. it does you know someone <laughs> is sitting there and they're like oh this is self-help and self-growth and he's like you know get the fuck back into your life and you're like what'd you call me oh Okay, I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. Present. What 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 I miss? <laughs> yeah, what just happened? What I miss? <laughs> right, and that gives people permission to be that authentic as well. Um, so how, you know how how are you advertising right now? Like, wh- how do people get involved, and how do they know it's safe? Because maybe they're like, well, this guy showed up one week, and then he didn't show up for four weeks, and then he showed up again, and maybe they don't feel safe. Like, can you answer some of those questions? Absolutely. So, um, there, uh, so yeah, I, I am there every week, whether, whether, um, you know, whether it's just me that shows up or if guys show up, you know, I, I, it's my commitment, um, as a piece of, of service and, and purpose and passion, um, to show up every, and so it's the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. It's at iawesome.com. That's I A U S M.com. And uh, it's a free event. So um, uh, you don't actually have to enroll in the academy uh, to experience the event. Um, but you totally should try it out because it's awesome. And, uh, and, um, <laughs> and what and, time uh, but, on that uh, second and fourth? Uh, so it's what, did you say Monday? Yeah. It's, uh, every, it's the second and fourth Wednesday of every month. Oh, and it's um, – yeah, and it's a uh, seven uh, seven p.m. Mountain Standard Time, um, but then on Facebook also you can look up the authentic. Uh, I think it's just Authentic Brotherhood has a blue profile picture says Authentic Brotherhood on it, um, and um, and that's a page that you can like. Um, I you know I wanted to create a public page for it, and on that page you can you know that's where we can have discussions about uh, you know masculinity things that you want to see more of. 
and you can actually ask how to get involved because I do also have a um, a private group on uh, in Facebook, and there will also be a group for it in iAwesome as well, which eventually I am going to be moving it all to iAwesome. Um, for now, uh, for the sake of, um, you know, just having it be more accessible, most people, almost everyone has a Facebook. Um, so it's, uh, you know, I want to keep it, um, keep it pretty accessible for now. Uh, and it's, uh, but yeah, so authentic brotherhood on Facebook, um, again, my name is Dylan Hunter Olson. So you can always shoot me a message on there. Um, you know, my email is, uh, Dylan at IAUSM.com. So you can always shoot me an email if you'd like to find out how you can get more involved. Um, so yeah, there's ways to, to get a hold of me and to, you know, tune into the authentic brotherhood. Um, and it's all zoom, it's all virtual right now. So, I mean, if you, and I, I, you know, basically all you have to do is register for the event. You get a link. And then uh, you can tune in from your smartphone or your laptop or your desktop, whatever. And, um, and we do it. Uh, yeah, it's usually two hours, but um, you know, lately it's been, uh, you know, just me and uh, one other guy that he shows up, uh, he's been doing the work with me for quite some time. And, um, and so lately those have just been, you know, we kind of just do exercises and uh, with whatever is uh, coming up for the moment, but it's uh yeah, wow, that's is. such a great service. And and I awesome just for folks listening in, especially on the replay, I A U S M as Mary dot com. And then uh Dylan, there's actually a link to the free events, right? Uh, at the top. Yes, yes, there is a um yeah, so you go to the home page and then it will um uh you'll see free events at the top and you can click on it and then it'll show you all of our free events um where yeah, instructors put these on. Uh, they're totally free and accessible. And uh, yeah, the Authentic Brotherhood is totally free. Uh, it's not, you you know, you don't have to pay to, to do it. And the reason that I make it free is because, you know, I, I just feel so strongly about it that there's not, there's not enough of these um, support systems for men. And, uh, hmm. and um, yeah, it, it's, it should great. be accessible. And uh it brings me immense joy and uh, you know, it propels me into a higher state when I'm, you know, with that commitment, commitment to myself, commitment to men, commitment to humanity and um, showing up uh, consistently. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm there every second and fourth Wednesday of, of every month um, from about seven to 9 PM mountain standard time. And, um, so it's a great way to, and I did that initially to kind of put it generally in line with the new moon and the full moon. Um, yeah, cause I, the moon is a sexy bitch and, uh, <laughs> and, and when we, you know, we align our spiritual work with the moon, it just creates, um, already, you know, you go out on a full moon night and you can feel the energy it is just mm-hmm, mm-hmm. heightened you know there's just wear humans everywhere ready to yeah, wear humans <laughs> just wear humans yeah they're just my husband's people. a werewolf on his uh, video game so yeah you got that one <laughs> <laughs> and yeah oh, that's uh, great. yeah so it's I, I love doing that and you know and, and 
the new moon is a, a powerful time to, to set goals and intentions, um, which is a big, you know, it's a, a practice I like to implement with, with the men and in my own life is doing those new moon goals and intentions um, just to set the precedent for what you want and what you're going to do to create it. And, um, and then the full moon, you know, is where we can look on the progress of those as well as address our shadows um, as the moon kind of pulls the tides of our soul a little bit and uh, mm. jogs some of those, some of those darker pieces a little loose and we can, you know, rectify them through our self-awareness. Okay. Wow. Fantastic. Dylan, it's been such an honor and pleasure to interview today. Thank you so much for your work and creating the authentic brotherhood. Definitely something that's greatly needed. And uh, so I'll, I'll, you know, continue referring you and your group to all the men that I know that are willing and open to, to, you know, connecting in this, this way. It's such important work. Um, And there's so many young, you know, young men and young people as well that are really just not really sure where to look. Uh, whereas there's so many resources for women, it's it's very different when it comes to men. So again, thank you so much for being on the show, Dylan. It's been awesome. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Karen. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yes, my pleasure. You're welcome. And I want to thank everyone for listening in. Until next time, lots of love, everybody. Bye for now. All right, bye. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.